the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice-Roberts. And in this episode, it's listener's choice time again. This time, thanks to Charlie Brigden, who is at Films on Wax on Twitter, we are going to be looking at 1978's Watership Down, directed by Martin Rosen. So, listener's choice, animation, and a movie from the dim and distant recesses of my childhood. I'm going to confront the childhood trauma that was heaped on me when I saw Watership Down, which is a movie that was released in the 70s, and I went to see it as part of a primary school trip, and my basic memory of it was that there are a lot of upset children at the end of all of this. I'm not surprised. So for me, this was a first viewing. It's a movie that I've always been aware of because you must be living under a rock if you've never heard of Watership Down. And I remember I first saw a few clips of it um, on one of those Channel 4 countdown shows. I think it was the greatest, 100 greatest cartoons. So I'd seen some of the gory bits of this film and yeah, I was quite shocked. And But I think when I came to that, I was probably in my teens, so it wasn't something that would have interested me as much. So I'm really glad that I've come to this as an adult because, interestingly, this film was more popular with adults than children. No surprises there. And upon its release, it was popular amongst like late night screenings, similarly to Rocky Horror, which I found really interesting. But before we get into all that, we need to give you a little bit more context about Watership Down its plot and why it's so disturbing. And before I begin, with just a side note that it's based on a 1972 novel by an author called Richard Adams, and it was adapted from stories he would tell his children during long car journeys, just all these stories about bunnies, and his children encouraged him to write it into a book. And then it was, of course, adapted into this wonderful movie. So I will get up a synopsis who could it be? Who could it be this time? Who's written the synopsis? Well, do you want to guess? <laughs> ideally, ideally, considering the previous history of the podcast, ideally it would be Nick Reganus. It is absolutely Nick Reganus. Welcome back, Nick. I'm looking forward to reading your uh, very detailed synopsis out to our listeners. Here goes. Underneath a small patch of land cloaked in tall grass, somewhere in a dark warren of the lush English countryside. Fiver, a skittish rabbit, having shared his hauntingly vivid nightmares of destruction with his brother Hazel, instigates a mass exodus in search of a new safe home. However, 
the journey to greener pastures is as long as it is precarious, entangling the audacious furry settlers in an endless string of shockingly unknown and devastating perils, which include not only the vicarious predators, but also betrayal and the mighty weapons of men. Is this the future the Lapine pilgrims have been dreaming of at the promised watership downhill, especially when a ghastly Warren chief, General Woundwort, awaits at the end of the line? Yeah, as usual, great synopsis by Nick. Gives you enough of a flavour of the story without giving any of the major points away. Yeah, this starts off with kind of a stylized version of rabbit and animal history. But even that has got some fairly stylized bits of rabbits being killed. I think this was the original director. That was his vision the first five minutes. It was John Hoobly. Michael Rosen didn't initially set out to direct this. He was producing and writing it. But there were some disagreements about the direction it would take. So John Hoobly left the project and left Michael Rosen with the directorial reins. But in the first 10 minutes, you've got this strange sort of mystical story about how rabbits were created slightly differently to every other animal and how they're always being hunted and that everything's trying to kill them. So you have that in the first five minutes and then before the first 10 minutes is out, you've got somebody having a vision of fields running red with blood. This is like a kid's movie and this is the first 10 minutes of this kid's movie. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock to the system, especially when you realise this is a U-rated movie. But I really enjoyed the opening sequence. I thought it was beautifully animated and really clever storytelling. And it really sets the bar, sets the tone for what's to come. It's a bit of a slow burner as well. So I'm not sure if this film would hold attention of like younger kids, but maybe sort of late primary school age, early secondary school age. I think it'd be more accessible for that age group but yeah i think it is potentially the darkest animated movie i've ever seen i haven't seen anything that's really held up as much as that so what is quite interesting with that is that there are three other movies that are deemed some of the darkest um, and most violent animated films of all time alongside watership down and these movies are the plague dogs the secret of nim and The Last Unicorn, none of those which I have seen. I grew up on Disney. I grew up in the Disney Renaissance era. You'll have to forgive me. But I think when Watership Down came out and how successful it was, I think Disney were a little shaky about it, and that's why it influenced them to take a darker route in the 80s, because you then have films like The Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron, and Basil the Great Mouse Detective, and I'm definitely seeing influences from Watership Down in those films. Yeah, it's interesting that it's cast a bit of a shadow over other bits of animation. I've seen the Plague Dogs. I have never seen such a fucking depressing piece of animation in my life. It's superb, the Plague Dogs, but it's so upsetting from start to finish. And so I would caution people going into the Plague Dogs. If you want something that's challenging, then all means go for it. But if you want something that's quite easy going and a nice little bit of animation to calm you down after a hard week at work, no, no, that really isn't the way you want to be going. Secret and him as well. It's uh, Don Bluth, I think, Secret and him. It's got a uh, cute mouse on the front cover yeah. of the box. But the actual story of Secret of Nim is much darker than you'd expect. Again, 
they all fall into the same bracket. I don't think I've seen the last unicorn. I'm pretty sure I haven't. So I probably will check that one out. And you're right about dark animation. I mean, I used to uh, see a lot of anime. And yes, there's lots of stuff in anime that push the boundaries. And I used to watch things like um, Legend of the Overfiend and all this 18 rated Japanese anime stuff. But that doesn't hold a candle to Watership Down because there's something deeply disturbing about this. So you think, oh, a bunch of rabbits, it's going to be cute. There's nothing cute about this movie. In fact, just after the first 10 minutes, and spoiler alert, sorry folks, the only doe in the group, Violet, gets killed by a hawk. Lovely. Yeah, it really does push the envelope and it doesn't hold back. This film is very disturbing and very challenging. And I think the scene that really hit hard with me is where the um, rabbit has been caught by the peg and the uh, wire and the rabbits are trying to rescue him and then it's like he's choking and all this blood is pouring out and then they think he's died and I just I just didn't know I was just a bit kind of like stunned watching that scene <laughs> it's like this this is really grim and I have <laughs> and I and I think I said to you I think this is where the horror begins <laughs> rather than ends I think it's just going to get more upsetting after this and it definitely does and I was thinking going back to my own childhood I think in terms of animated films I think I was like had them quite sugar-coated really if I if I could name like the darkest ones I probably watched as a child I'd say Hunchback of Notre Dame and uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven they come to mind but I've never seen anything as shockingly violent as this for a child's movie but that being said, I still think it's an excellent film. It's an excellent piece of animation. And it really stands up well by today's standards. I think it stood the test of time. It doesn't feel too dated because I think the story is, you know, something that can resonate because there's there's discussion of like what is the true meaning of the film and about, you know, consumerism, Christianity. But then some people say it's just a film about bunnies. So I think you can take without what you will but I, th I definitely think it's got a lot of complex undertones there and that's why for older school age children I think it would be more of an interesting text to study at that age because I don't think younger children will be able to appreciate it as much so yeah and it's you know always been rated a U. it has never been resubmitted to the BBFC and re-rated but to this day, there are complaints about this movie, but parents must know what they're getting themselves into with it. I mean, you know, as I say, living under a rock if you're not aware of what this film is. I mean, that's why I've avoided it for so long, because sort of depressing animated feature hasn't been on the top of my viewing list until now. Yeah, yeah. I guess that Watership Down is so notorious these days, you would think that people would be checking it out before they showed it to their kids. Apparently, the BBFC have had complaints about Watership Down for almost every single year since its release in 1978, and it's always a bone of contention, and whenever it's screened, there are always complaints or concerns about what time of the day it should be screened, and whether there should be warnings before it, and I mean, I do get that, and I think that 
the original justification for the use certificate was that once the spell of the story is broken, you're just confronted with the fact that it's an animated movie, it's not real, and you can put everything into context. Yes, I kind of agree with that, but even so, like you say, there's the bit with the snare, there are fights, rabbits get their ears damaged and bitten, there are, there's, there's blood all over the place. And even though it's rather stylized, it's still quite shocking. So the use certificate for me is kind of an anomaly, considering the stuff that the BBFC were cutting out of kids' movies, certainly to make them sort of PG-friendly. And then you get this, which is rated U. You kind of think there's a bit of a weird sort of... Well, not a double standard, but something odd is going on at the BBFC. I know it's a classic tale... And I know that it's very well made and it looks beautiful and the cast is absolutely amazing and it's a film of really deep quality. But even so, it's got rabbits bloodthirstily fighting each other. It's got a dog chasing them around. At one point, the dog has got a rabbit between its jaws and it's shaking it about. Now, is that the sort of stuff that you would want to see in a U-rated movie? That's open to question. <laughs> absolutely it is fascinating why this film is rated you and then you've got like other disturbing kids movies um like return to oz comes to mind and that's a pg so why this got rated you i'm so confused i think probably it's because it blurs the lines a bit it is an animated film and typically animated films are suitable for everybody and again, with this one, where it differed from all the other animated movies at that time was it wasn't a musical. And I believe there was some discussion about making it a musical, but the just tone didn't sit very well. So that's how they then just incorporated the Art Garfunkel soundtrack into it as well. I mean, I could just imagine it must have caused one hell of a controversy on its release, but I can't believe it still is. That's what blows my mind because... Everyone's aware you can look into the context of this film and deem it suitable for your own children. But if you don't feel it's suitable for them, don't watch it, but don't complain about it either, because why shouldn't this film exist? It's such an interesting piece of work. And going back to this topic, there is an article from The Guardian that was written back in 2016 by Henry Barnes. And it was where the uh, BBFC had bowed down and said, oh, yeah, if this film is resubmitted, we would reclassify it as a PG. Just saying that to appease parents, because allegedly it was screened on Channel 5 on Easter Sunday in 2016. And of course, Twitter just uh, blew up that day because of it. And with parents complaining, saying like it was upsetting their kids and why, why is this film on at this time of day and that sort of thing which is just it's just crazy to me you just if you, you know you don't think it's suitable just don't watch it but yeah. why complain about it i don't understand that yeah exactly just turn it off there is an off button switch switch the channel there's no need to sort of sit through this in the age of millions and millions of channels if you're not happy with what's on one channel in the daytime you can just move somewhere else Watership Down is a bit of a cause celeb because it's just gone around and upset people year after year, which is quite a feat for a, for a movie that's, you know, it's ostensibly a kid's story. There's a lot of stuff in it that isn't really for kids. 
I read the book before I went to see the film, and the book is an absolute doorstop. It's like 400 and odd pages, and the book is much more complex than the film. But one thing I will say about the film is that it does capture the atmosphere of the book really well, even though it's had to abridge quite a lot of it. So you do get this kind of really well-drawn picture of rabbit society and the rules within the society and the law enforcement within the society. So it kind of is an allegory about authority and how people, not flaunt authority, but try to, I was going to say, plough their own furrow. That's a terrible pun for a rabbit movie. But yeah, um, so you get the Owsler, who are the kind of rabbit law enforcers, and they're very boorish and they 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 throw their weight about and they're the ones that kind of are, are portrayed as almost the bad guys even though they're trying to put together some sort of framework of law and order but they do it in a way that seems very oppressive chiefly general woundworts who is this nightmarish rabbit with one really gammy eye and hangs around in the shadows and i do remember seeing it as a kid and every time it was suggested that he was about to turn up in the movie. There was lots and lots of uncomfortable shuffling around in seats. I'll just put it that way. I'm not surprised. I think he's such a grotesque character. Like he was just like he even you know freaked me out. There, you know, my age now, like I, you know, you just have that sense of dread every time he's about to pop up on the screen. And then it doesn't even kind of give you a resolution at the end because it's like it suggested like. It leaves it up in the air. Did he actually get killed or uh, is he still out there tormenting poor little bunnies? <laughs> That's what it leaves you with. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah, it, it doesn't uh, really give you any easy outs, this movie. I mean, even at the end, there's very much this sense of what it's like to confront death. There is a resolution. There's kind of a happy ending. But even so, our main character is visited by this spirit who is taking him over to the afterlife and says, like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay and you're going to kind of live on in the afterlife. So very much like something along the lines of My Girl, which we covered a long time ago, but has a very sophisticated grip on what it's like to face death, even in a kid's movie. This is permeated by death lurking round every corner because they're trying to get to this place there are traps and there are predators all around so it's a movie where death is following them pretty much for the entire length of the story and i guess you can push it to the back of your mind because if you're a kid it's about the rabbits and the countryside and some of the characters are funny but when you come down to it a lot of it is about fear or acceptance of death absolutely i completely agree with that statement yeah and i think it does have a hopeful ending to a point because he passes over and it's just like quite nice imagery of seeing the bunnies well ghostly bunnies hopping around together but yeah i think it has like a sort of comforting ending and as you say that's that whole idea of confronting death and not putting like a downer on it like make it out that it's the worst thing in the world like accepting that's the natural order of things i think that's what it, it typically does 
there was issues with releasing this movie on Blu-ray, interestingly, in the UK. There was a dispute between Universal and Warner Brothers, who both had rights to it. It was released a few times over the years by different distributors. So, yeah, there was something went along the lines there. So it's had a, a difficult transition to Blu-ray. The um, artwork for it as well on the original VHS cover, it's very disturbing. It's, it's just like a blacked out rabbit and it does not scream, this is a family friendly movie. Yeah. But the back cover tells a different story <laughs> with the cute rabbits on the back. Yeah, I remember the uh, video cover and it's kind of the sort of almost like a silhouette of a rabbit and it's got something round its neck and it's kind of sort of leaning backwards. So it's kind of a nightmarish image. But I think what they said was, oh, let's brighten the background up to make it less scary. So you've got this kind of lovely sort of pastoral scene at the back and and a very nice summery sky. But in the middle of it all, there's still this rabbit that looks like it's in some distress. So do whatever you like to the background. The actual picture is quite disturbing. And I vaguely remember it was Thorny M.I., that did the video in the UK in the 80s because of the sort of rights issues. I think Thorny and I ended up with the the initial video release. And it was sitting on the side of the shelves at stuff like uh, The Boogeyman, you know, because I think my video shop decided that it was, well, when it first opened... Oh, that again. Yeah, when it first opened, it decided that it was probably just going to lump all the tapes in together and not put them in some sort of order. So you'd get you'd get these video nasties fairly close to Watership Down. And I'm thinking, like, for some of the video nasties, I'm thinking, well, actually, Watership Down is more disturbing than some of the video nasties I've seen because they're generally ridiculous, whereas Watership Down has got something deeply upsetting at the core of it. Now, obviously, having watched it after some passing decades... It isn't going to have the same effect on me as when I was a kid. But even so, I was still on edge through quite a lot of it. And it's really skillfully done. And I still fucking hate that wound work rabbit. It's still imprinted on my nightmares. <laughs> and uh, and the bit at the end, is st- the, the bit where he's confronting the dog and they just leap at each other and it doesn't reveal what's happened afterwards. That's still really effective. And the fact that, as you say, afterwards the voice server says, well, we don't know what happened to him and maybe he's still around. It's like, oh, fucking hell, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, and that how um, he was used as a story for the mummy rabbits to tell the baby rabbits to get them to behave. <laughs> it's like, seriously. <laughs> it's like loads of nightmare fuel going on there. But of course, we can't talk about Watership Down without talking about another reason this film caused controversy and why its U certificate has been challenged. And that is a line said by a bird that just comes out of nowhere, where a bird literally says, in a U-rated film, piss off. Now, it's not an offensive swear word like by today's standard, but it is absolutely hilarious that this bird just comes out with this in this kid's movie. I love it. Yeah, Kihar, who is the um, seagull that befriends the rabbits and then helps them in various ways, is a pretty cool character in the movie because you get these very well-meaning and very earnest rabbits and he's kind of the slightly more knockabout character in this movie. He does 
whatever he likes, he's less of a respecter of authority and he's telling them to do certain things and he's pushing them to do ever more risky and wilder things. And at one point, because they need some dose, obviously for the coldy, because it's all guys after Violet gets killed. So they find this farm where there's lots and lots of does who have been caged and they're talking about various things. And one of the rabbits um, looks at something and goes, oh, that doe over there. And the seagull just goes, oh, fancier, do you? And it's that kind of casual attitude that the seagull has got in a kid's movie. And I think it would probably have made the kids laugh. But as an adult, you kind of think that um, the seagull's quite a complex character because there's lots about the seagull that is in some way dislikable, but he's also quite heroic at the same time because he's helping them on their way. He, he actually gets them out of a jam a couple of times. So it's not just good guys and bad guys, this movie's. It, the, the shades of grey, even in the ones that you're supposed to follow. And, you know, quite a sophisticated treatment to the characters in an animated movie. But the source material is particularly sophisticated as well. So I think they've decided to go with that sort of feel for the movie as well. They haven't just gone for it as to be like, oh, it's cute bunny rabbits trying to get somewhere. This is showing nature red in tooth and claw. And it's... It's just how it is. I think a lot of people will watch it hoping that it's going to be something to stick their kids in front of on a Sunday afternoon, maybe Easter Sunday, and think, yeah, I'll just leave them with this. Probably shouldn't leave your kids with this movie, certainly not the young ones. Yeah, absolutely. Before we finish up, I have got a fact to read out about its release because I thought this was quite interesting. And I pull this fact from IMDb, of course. Originally intended to be released in August 1978. However, the huge box office success of Greece caused the release to be delayed by two months due to a shortage of available screens. In the days before, the multiplex cinemas often consisted of just two or three screens. The summer of 1978 also contained big budget films like Jaws 2, which we do have an episode on if you want to check that out. Summer of Sharks is coming and a reissue of Star Wars, plus Warship Down, would have had found itself competing for younger viewers with the live-action Disney film The Cat from Outer Space. I mean, how, how could it compete for that at the title alone? Therefore, it was decided to postpone the release until after the summer holidays. The film was released during October half-term in the UK and around Thanksgiving in the US. The competition was far less intense and the film had a successful theatrical run until being pushed out to make way for big Christmas releases. What a fun film to go and see during your half-term holidays. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the decision to put it back, I mean, if it, even if it was enforced, was a good thing because I think the investors made something like 10 times their original investment back. It made quite a lot of money. I think the budget was about $2.4 million but it made so much more than that back. And I think everybody that had got something in in the film had their investment returned and then some back to them. So financially, it was a successful film. Creatively, I think it's a very successful film. And I think October's probably a good time to see it because it's not really a summery film. It's set, it's set in, a, in summer, but it's not really got that kind of brash 
blockbustery feel. It's something that's a bit more melancholy, something that, you know, as the years wearing on, that's something that you can kind of sit back and consider. It's certainly a lot more downbeat than Grace's. So I guess that once everybody had had the fun of Grace over the summer, it was time to get a little bit more serious, put on some Watership Down, uh, wallow in the fact that you've got terrible things happening to these rabbits for 88 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but with that said, it became an immediate success, as we've, as we've discussed, and was the sixth most popular film of 1979 at the UK box office. So it did pretty well. And I think basing a movie on a successful book, you know, you're hitting a gold mine there, and they certainly did. What I, I found interesting as well is this movie has been adapted since, which I was not aware of. It wasn't until I watched um, Minty Comedic Arts's 10 Things You Didn't Know About Watership Down YouTube video. And there was an animated series released in 1999 that had some of the same voice actors from the original, but they took a tamer approach with it. So I think it had been watered down a lot, which didn't sit well with fans of the source material. And then in 2018, there was a Netflix miniseries with rabbits um, in CGI format this time, with voices from James McAvoy and Nicholas Holt, to name a few. So I've never seen either of those adaptations, but obviously they've tried again. You know, I don't know if these would hold a candle to it, because I think there's something very special about Watership Down. I've seen the most recent one, and... It's glossily done and the animation's nice, but it's not the same. It really isn't. I think the old style of animation and the really beautifully created backgrounds lend it so much more atmosphere. And yes, the cast of the new one is very good, but you just have to have a look down the cast of the old one just to reel off some of the people who are in this. John Hurt, Richard Briers, Ralph Richardson, Roy Kinnear, who is Rory Kinnear's dad, Denham Elliott, Zero Mostel, Harry Andrews, Nigel Hawthorne, Michael Horden, Joss Ackland. I mean, it's like a who's who of British acting at that time. And they're all in this animated movie about rabbits. So obviously they saw something in the project as well. It wasn't just something that was a kind of throwaway piece of kids' entertainment. There's a lot more going on under the surface here. I think it's really great. I would recommend everybody goes and sees it. Yes, you're forewarned about some of the content. It's not extreme, it's but it's still quite disturbing. But just go in there with an open mind. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's, a, it's an absolutely lovely piece of work. And I'm so glad that I revisited it. I was slightly wary when it came up. And I just thought, you know what? Is it going to be as impactful this time? Is it going to have the same effect on me? Well, maybe not in kind of the same way. But one thing you can't deny is what a great piece of work Watership Down is. It's beautifully animated. It's brilliantly written. The voice acting is absolutely superb. I can't really fault it, to be honest. And I completely second that. So I thought it was an absolute animated classic masterpiece, to be honest. And... As I say, growing up on the like fluffy side of Disney, I still really enjoyed this movie. I don't know if I would go and revisit it anytime soon. Probably not, but you know, maybe in a few years. Who knows? If I want to traumatise my child, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> now, to finish off, on IMDb, 
It has a rating of 7.6 out of 10 and an 82% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes with an 86% audience score. And I think that's all very well deserved. Yep, absolutely. I think all of those scores are completely justified. So if you haven't seen it, those scores should actually say, go see this movie, track it down. It's well worth your time. It's under 90 minutes. It doesn't hang around, but it does give you enough time to reflect on the terrible nature of what we do to animals and what animals do to each other. If that makes it sound like too grim an experience, it's not. Some of this movie is rather beautiful. And if you remember the Art Garfunkel song Bright Eyes, this does feature quite heavily at one point in the movie. As you say, if it had been a musical, what a bizarre musical that would have been. But the music is used sparingly and very well. I think it would have been weird for something terrible to happen and then have the rabbits break out into some song about it. That would have just been too weird. I think (laughs) they went the right way with this one. Adding songs wouldn't have been a good thing. But Bright Eyes is used effectively and it's at the right time in the movie. So don't worry that the the music is going to intrude on the movie because it doesn't. It, It does focus on plot over big musical production numbers because... That's really not what this movie needs. Definitely. And it brings in that melancholic tone to it with that song. So I think it works really well. It integrated itself in very nicely. So, yeah, that's our take on Watership Down. We both loved it. And I think we'd be very keen to take on some more animated films at some point on the podcast. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Definitely interested in seeing some darker ones again, because it's all really interesting stuff. So to Charlie Brigden again, who suggested this, thank you very much for providing us with the suggestion for Watership Down. And we hope that in future episodes that we'll have more great suggestions from the people who listen to us. Thank you. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 63 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out more of our episodes, You can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. In episode 64, we round off our coverage of the Die Hard series of movies with the fifth and final film in the franchise. John McClane heads to Moscow. Is there anywhere he hasn't been? And we're going to be covering A Good Day to Die Hard. So I'm kind of sad it's the last one, but at the same time, has the franchise run out of steam? Well, find out in the next episode. Find out indeed. So until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, and Podbean.